You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, there is news all over the world today, and incredibly, this one does not directly involve Donald Trump. No, but indirectly it does. does. Indirectly it kind of does. And that is uh, the Knesset, uh, the parliament in Israel, has voted to uh, diminish the power of their Supreme Court. And this has launched massive, massive protests uh, as many Israelis uh, who really are, are attached to and believe in the way that the Israeli nation was uh, created, which was a secular state uh, in a Jewish culture. But that's changing. And this, uh, this vote to diminish the court really seems to accent the power of the ultra-Orthodox, uh, of the nationalists, and calls into question what kind of state they they would be. Have you been following this? You've been thinking I about have, it? but I thought a, a really good explanation um, was the one we discussed yesterday that you said was um, explicated explicated in the New York Times or explained in the New York Times about the four constituencies. So you want to? Well, I, and it was interesting. You know, the Times kind of called on the historical background and said there are four tribes. Uh, Israel was, of course, originally made up of 12 tribes, uh, the sons of uh, sons of Jacob. But it's a good way to explain it, uh, a way that really even applies to the United States, because uh, it's not just political groups or political parties. It's tribes who uh, just cannot see very much good in each other. But the four tribes, quickly put, are first uh, the nationalist group. And nationalism, of course, all around the world right now, but it's got some particular aspects in uh, Israel. The nationalist group believes that the borders of the state of Israel ought to be the historic uh, biblical borders, that it should be restored, frankly, to the time of Solomon. Uh, which is when the uh, uh, Israel uh, reached its peak as an empire. By the way, you'll be glad to know that Solomon died in 900 before the Common Era. I was going to ask you that question. So how long ago are we talking, like 3,000 years ago? or Yeah, roughly. Uh, there. That's one of the important dates of history that I have memorized is the death of Solomon. And, <laughs> so that and, seems like a kind of argument that um, Clarence Thomas or Sam Alito might like, like a this, way, way back before the world, you know, was the world we would recognize and look to that as your moment in history. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And, and Israel then should assume its position as a great state. That's nationalism. <laughs> I'm sorry uh, to laugh, but you know, a great state among that part of the world when there was not even a United States then? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, all right, yeah, I'm that, with you. Okay. There wasn't even a France 
Yeah, yeah right. there wasn't even a France. And, you know, we're yeah, not in France. France, I not mean, the, civilization. And, and it is uh, interesting to note historically, Israel has never achieved that status uh, since 900 uh, BCE. And so the time of Solomon, where he had this great temple and 900 wives and all this stuff, has always had kind of a legendary quality to it. Okay, the second uh, second tribe is the ultra-Orthodox, and this is the extremely religious group, uh, and you can equate them to other religious groups uh, within Islam, within Christianity, who believe in a very strict adherence to uh, the law of Talmud, uh, and so they, uh, they want to have religion govern their life, and more than that, they would like their religion, because they believe it's the one true religion and the uh, revelation of God, to govern the whole state. So, for instance, this one of the things that's going to be involved here, they think the entire state of Israel should close for Shabbat, uh, Friday night uh, into Saturday. No business should be open. The Bible should run run things. And this group is the fastest growing group. They're still minority. They are resented by many because uh, the rest of Israel has mandatory military service, but the ultra-Orthodox do not. Uh, they are exempt so that they can go and study uh, the Talmud. Oh, so they, two... these guys would be comparable to like fundamentalist Muslims who want Sharia law. That's or it. fundamentalist Christians in the United States that want basically a theocracy. I mean, in other words, they think abortion is a crime. Therefore, all of us must think that the killing of a day-old fetus is a crime. Right. They think that gay people are an abomination. Therefore, the rest of us have to be intolerant of, of folks who are gay or transgender. So they, they yeah. would be comparable to those folks. They yeah, were exactly right. Okay. And I, I, just one last thought on this. I always remember this. It was about... I don't know, 10 years ago, uh, I was talking to a guy who generally seemed like a reasonable guy. And we were talking at that time about what had emerged already from science, that homosexuality was born as part of a, a human being. And I remember this guy with great compassion saying, John, I understand that. And I think that's really hard, but I can't change it because the word of God is that homosexuality is a sin. And that's just it. And there's nothing we can do to change that. That's that view. Isn't okay. It? Yeah. Okay. So we got two tribes. And let's keep in mind, these two tribes are the ones who are in control of the government right now. Even though okay. they're small minority groups, they grouped up in a parliamentary system to do that. Two more tribes quickly done. The next one, I'm going to call uh, the secular I Israelis. And this is really the group that founded the state of Israel and has governed it ever since. And they are Jewish. They want a Jewish culture, but they're not necessarily very religious. Actually, many of the uh, people I know who live in Israel or live there part time and would fit within this group, they're not religious at all but they believe in the importance of cultural uh, Judaism. They're much like many uh, many of the Jews, Jews in our family, uh, frankly, in this, this country, that uh, 
think that Israel should be a liberal democracy. That's really what, what they believe. And they were in charge until not very long ago. And then there's one last tribe, and those are the Palestinians, who are about 20% of the population of, uh, of Israel. And so here's the problem. If you are a liberal, secular, uh, secular Jew in Israel, you are watching the nationalists and the uh, ultra-Orthodox take over. And your comparison is right. It's the same thing we view with horror with the prospect of Ron DeSantis being president. I was going to say that sounds vaguely familiar to me as we move into an authoritarian theocracy or potentially could. Um, because what is really a minority view, a small group of people who are zealots, um, are trying to tell the rest of us how to live. I, I don't know, just as an aside, John, do you remember like 15 years ago, and this, I think it was probably fundamentally the same group of people, and they were so freaked out about Sharia law, and yeah. Sharia law coming to the United States. Yeah. Especially and, like people in Georgia. We're yes. all upset about it. You like know? that, and it was very unlikely. And yeah. you know, maybe we were just, you know, prescient or something. But I remember saying, "Well, that's how we would feel if the Christians took over." <laughs> and damn it, hasn't happened. You know, that was like a joke. But yeah, it wasn't really a joke because they were planning, and you know, through the Supreme Court and you know this Federalist Society. They've, they've kind of they're getting there so so that's what's happening in israel and so the protesters who are the protesters the protesters are that large mass they're actually the largest group of uh israelis although you know as frequently happens the parliament the, the knesset does not reflect that here's what what happened uh the Secular, you know, Israel has never had a single majority party. So to be in control of the parliament, you had to cobble together uh, a coalition that involved your large pluralist party, but several others. And so you always had to give favors to them. And so, for instance, the ultra-Orthodox party was always very small, but it could always get what it wanted, which included that it's um, the members, the Orthodox people, did not have to serve in the military uh, because they were going to study the Talmud. So uh, that always worked. But Benjamin Netanyahu, because of the pr Donald Trump-like problems he has of uh, corruption and so forth, could no longer put together a, uh, a coalition of the secular secular parties. So he had to form a coalition with the nationalists and the ultra-Orthodox. And when that happened, they wanted to make some changes. And among the changes they want to make have to do with the settlements. And the court, uh, the Supreme Court of Israel has blocked them. So they want to get them out of the way. So as I understand it, what Netanyahu is doing is trying to ensure that he doesn't go to jail because yep. he's been indicted on really corruption charges, 
So it's a little different than the kind of stuff that Trump is facing because Trump is facing crimes against the democracy, as it right. were. Um, so that's why, that's what's motivating Netanyahu. It's not like save our nation, it's save my ass. Yeah, is that it right? Is. It is right. And I, I'm going to go a little bit deeper in the weeds, weeds if you excuse me. It's interesting to note, Israel does not have a constitution, a written constitution. They did write one uh, in 1948 when the nation was being formed. But at that time, the leaders, David Ben-Gurion and so forth, felt like it would constrain them. So it was never voted on, never put into place. So there's essentially, they're not alone. Uh, you know, England has... Uh, uh, an unwritten constitution, but a constitution nevertheless. And so among the things that have been in the constitution is that the Supreme Court can rule something to uh, not be legal if they believe it's unreasonable. And what that has been used is to try and keep extremist groups like the nationalists from doing too much. And that's, there's seven parts to what uh, Netanyahu and Knesset want to do. But that's what this first one is, is to get rid of that idea of reasonableness. Oh, that's very interesting. But in a sense, we're talking about the same thing, which is a capture of the courts. Right. But when you capture the courts, whether like us, which is packing the courts with conservative Catholics, in our case, we could say yeah. Christians, um, or undermine the courts like they have and you um demonize the press which i which netanyahu does right. as well much like trump that sets the stage it, it seems to me um and i'm not as familiar like with orban and all that that for an authoritarian state and the thing i've been thinking a lot about john is when you study history and you and i both love history what you never really know or where there, what there isn't great history about always is how do average people think about this? How does this stuff happen? Why aren't people fighting back? And when you live through it, you know. Part of what we know is that people, us, are just living our lives. So for me to throw down everything I have to do day to day to survive and just get out on the streets every day, every day, protest, protest, protest to bring down a government. That's a commitment that many people just don't have the time, energy, or money to make. Also, it's like that boiling a frog slowly thing. These things start to happen, happen until you reach this tipping point. I heard a guy interviewed today and he was from Israel and he was basically saying we are talking out so that this does not happen to the United States because we let it happen. We did not fight back at the ballot box. We let Netanyahu be um, reelected through those coalitions. And now here we are. And they are ready. They are on the precipice of not being a democracy in Israel anymore. That has enormous consequences. And one consequence that has for the United States is that we have always supported Israel. We say it is the only democracy in the Middle East. What happens when it is not? And they are undemocratic. At what point do we start to pull back this enormous amount of funding we give them? Say, okay, you want to live your way? 
then you go ahead and live your way like all those other countries in the Middle East, mm-hmm. non-democratic countries. So this is both an interesting time and kind of a frightening time. It is. And, it, you know, it has brought into stark relief what was always the contradiction in the state of Israel that they barely got by with. Israel was founded to be a Jewish state and a democratic state. But the day was going to come when they have to ask, can they be both? And let me tell you what it would be. The Palestinian population has been growing. The demographics have increased that. And so if you are a democratic state, the Palestinians then should have a a vote and uh, uh, be part of this economy. What happens when the Palestinians become part of a government? and can direct things in a different way. That's the way people feared it. But now the fear actually is going to be something different. What happens if you're leading your life as a a secular liberal Jew, you're living in Tel Aviv, you're living a good life, you have beautiful uh, beaches, but now the government is going to tell you that you must observe Talmudic law. Are you going to be a democracy or are you going to be a Jewish state? And uh, I, I think that's always been there. In a way, some of that conflict has been hidden by the constant conflict with the Palestinians. But it's all yeah. coming to a head. It's a good point. And, it's, and it is something that we need to think about in the United States. Because if you're just a secular American living here thinking we are a country of tolerance, um, and as we move toward a country of the religious right running the country. And then what's already happening with the abortion issue, it's starting to happen with the gay issue. These kinds of things are changing the very nature of our democracy when minority rule is deciding how we're gonna live. And, and I think that interview, that guy was right. That has to be stopped in the ba- at the ballot box. 2024. If it's not, um, where do we go? I guess we go to that heathen outpost of Europe. All right, John. Oh, absolutely. Talk to you. Bye. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.